0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, What's the Story Podcast.
1: So therefore be proud to
2: be
3: a decent American, rather than be just a wanker whipping up fear. Because you're supposed to tackle people, you're supposed to hit people at pace, and hit them hard. That's
4: part of the game. It's not chess we're playing.
1: I'd like to take this chance to apologise to absolutely nobody. The double chance does what the he wants!
2: The weirdest way of getting
1: onto a stage ever, ever. Um, it's not accessible. Hope disability rights. Yeah, come on, lads. Um, Sorted out work, man. Yeah, it, w- it was it wasn't until
2: Dave Rock helped you up. Thanks, Dave. Good man. Um hello everybody and welcome to uh What's Story Podcast Live? Yeah. Yeah. My name's Danny Murray.
1: I'm Graham Erigan. Alright.
2: Um this is our second ever live show. Um the first one we've done, uh, we done it for our one hundred episode. It was, it was, yeah, now no, no, yeah, we hit a century, but fuck you, yeah, well, all right, fair enough.
0: It's
2: going to take more than that to impress us, fat boy, that's what I got there. Um, <laughs>
0: but
2: yeah, so uh, we've done our first live show, and we hit our 100th episode. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, that's sharp, I like it. Love it. Um, it's going to be a long fucking night, lads. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was it was good cool crack, so we're hoping um, we'll be able to emulate that crack here tonight in the workman's club in dublin yeah at the first ever dublin podcast festival we tea pops all night lads that's what we'll have to do <laughs> yeah, um, good segue graham it is indeed the first ever dublin podcast festival and we are going to try to have as much crack as we can but in, in all seriousness a festival like this takes uh, a huge set of balls to go for in the first place in fairness to Alan, Headstuff, and Amy and the team, and Aiken, they have worked their arses off to put this festival together, lads. Um, and they, for some unknown reason, asked us to be a part of it. Um, but just genuinely, thanks to them for the work they've done in the background, putting every show on, not just this show. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Fuck <For> fuck's <laughs> sake. If he's not getting it, lads, the intro was like a wedding speech where you just clap any time, it's a fucking pause, yeah. all right? Yeah. Just work with me here. This is recorded. We need it. the sound, okay? Exactly. And the bridesmaids are lovely. <laughs> it's great. The people cheering are Merrow's man down, which is great. <laughs> uh, man, shut was, up, innit? It was, it was brilliant that they actually came because my man dad, when he found out it was a live show. My dad just kind of went... Yeah, soon you'll be getting married. You don't go to Florida. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so thanks for the support, Dad. I love you. Um, the, 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 the podcast that was on before us as well, Erna Magatti's This Feels Terrible. Fair play to them, by the way. It was a great podcast. Two shit stories. Uh, yay. <laughs> they were talking about, like, losing their virginity, and it was weird and all that. And I was kind of thinking, like, I don't know, man. Like, you know. Mom and
1: dad are here, please. <laughs> See what I
2: mean? Everybody's sharp, even he's getting it. I was going to actually say, like, I mean, I don't know if I could talk about losing me Virginia, my virginity, your man, that, mere feet, white, me graham.
1: <laughs> Nor am I.
2: I remember losing my virginity, Graham, and uh, I mean... It was settle,
1: no- settle, please.
2: I was just going to say, it was noisier to be there applauding, not am I.
1: Jesus wept. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. Where the fuck was I going with this? I have man. no idea. Talking about your at in Florida. At the Me dad hands. in
2: Florida, yeah. Sitting by the pool in the speed out. One room already. Um, <laughs> Banana hammock central. But uh, yeah, Dublin Podcast Festival. There's still shows on after tonight for those of you who are in the audience. People listening to this on Sunday. It's over. You missed it. Boo. Um Pamphlets yeah. on
1: the tables. So do, so do check out some of the left. other shows.
2: Um, like all episodes or chapters of What's the Story Podcast, i would say thanks for our sponsor. It's Patrick Castle Hotel. Normally Woo. we're up there recording. Yes, the Buddha applaud. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they actually allow us to do this podcast, which, um, again, baffles me that people continue to support it and say, yeah, go on, let them two say what they want to on a thing that people can listen to. <laughs>
1: it's, it's mad you think about that, no? My granny always says, can I get that on the radio? It's like, zip it. No, granny, you can't. You can't, granny. You can't. You um, don't have
2: a phone. Yeah. <laughs> and for anybody who is unsure of, if, if, if you haven't listened to the podcast, and you've managed to just stumble in here to get out of the cold... Um, <laughs> it, it's easy. See, we have a flag at the front there that has our logo, and I'm wearing the same shirt in the lot. So, if there's any confusion, I'm the one wearing this one. <laughs> the wheelchair right. doesn't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> the one in the wheelchair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: setting them up, Graham. Could you not knock them <laughs> over for me, mate? Sorry, Val, you deserve to. Razor Passby water there, will you, Pedal? Sorry,
2: yeah. That's great. Look, he has fucking lackeys and all. Look at this.
1: <laughs> Raymond Gilmarn from County Leitrim. Lynch- yeah.
2: Actually, Raymond Gamart and Count of played a huge part in getting us one of our previous guests, which helped me fulfill a lifetime ambition of talking to a Eurovision winner, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it was the rock and roll, kids. Yeah.
1: The best. No, well, no, no reaction. Move no,
2: no. I'm, no, we're not going anywhere until people start appreciating Eurovision for what it is. <laughs> it makes up 90% of my Spotify playlist, people, so... <laughs> And yous don't know it yet, but there's at least four references to Eurovision in this show. So, uh,
1: anyway. 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 it's Castle Hotel. Go on up there. Yeah, great, great.
2: deadly. Man, I am sweating fucking bullets up here, man. Jesus. Are you alright? Oh, I feel great, man. Thanks, Grant. Thanks. I'm over the... I'm not over I'm in the middle of battling a rage and fucking tonsil disease, lads. I tell you. <laughs> Shocking, carry on. Who said man flu? Who said man flu? Watch your mouth. We do, yeah. It's probably from all the shite I talk, I know,
1: yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, what do so you say? What, what? Will we tell them what we're doing tonight, or will we just go oh, Go on, that's a We're kind of winging it a bit, so we didn't even tell the guests. Well, we gave them a quick synopsis, but we're, yeah. we're, we're just, it's going to be low-hearted conversations. We're going to have a wallboard. We're going to ask the guests to pick numbers. might ask you guys to pick numbers, and there'll be a subject behind that and we'll just rip the piss out of it and just wing it, like we always yeah, do. exactly. Does we that sound good?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We will definitely be
2: asking you to pick numbers to try and keep us um, alive and kicking out there and all that sort of crack. Um, but what do you say? We actually get our guests here rather than just me and Mary, because, <laughs> I mean, that's what you just paid for. Um, so, yeah, we do that. We get our guests too. Yes! Wow.
1: Got one heckler already, Now you know, it's a Settle awesome. yeah. it. Belongs to me as well. Fuck S- sake. You know, this isn't. All right, settle then,
2: it's please. Not, it's not to tell you, like, when you shout, we'll hear you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking didn't press the red button or anything, like, this isn't, you know what I mean? Who's first up all, we're, we're bringing all up? all together. we bring all them yeah. up. we are bring all Ladies and gentlemen, can you please go absolutely fucking bananas? For Joanne McNally, Ken Early, and Dave McWilliam! Yeah.
1: High five. Oh, don't leave me hanging.
2: Ew. Ew. Your yeah, mics are all behind you, are there. there. Yeah. Love it. I'm not sure about the seat and arrangement for all that, so hang on. Here we go. Hi. I
0: feel Barely. like I'm in the
2: sitting room or something. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, first and foremost to the trees. thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Thanks um, for having us. You know. With no information. With no information. <laughs> it's all great to do this uh, very, very just graciously and without asking too many questions. So that's, yeah. Um, but we'll kick off, Joanne, with herself. Okay. A little intro. So um, you are just back from Edinburgh. Yes. Where you fucking smashed the shit out of everything.
5: Well, no, I didn't at all smash anything. Um. Right, okay, right, okay. That <laughs> Sorry, makes I, I did. Different. No, it was a, was a raving success. Uh, Edinburgh, I don't know if anyone's ever been to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Has anyone been? It's a shite, Basically, <laughs> everyone's like, Oh, Edinburgh, yeah, it's so awful. Like, it's like a month, it's a month long festival where you have to perform every day like a clown. And I did, because the show that I brought to Edinburgh is called Bite Me, so it's like a dark comedy theatre piece.
1: Unbelievable show, by the way. Thank you, Graham. Coming cool, um, to the Pavilion Theatre in
5: Dunleary. It is, actually, yeah. I gave it a, a standing ovation, it was that good. You did, Graham. <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> He loves telling that joke. <laughs> he loves that one. You can hear that on chapter 1 <laughs> 77 if you listen back. Uh, so my show isn't a stand-up show. It's, a, it's kind of a um, dark show about eating disorders. So it is comedy, but it's weird and dark. Um, so at night then I was doing stand-up as well. So I think I did 36 shows in 28 days. And then during the day, you have to sell your show because, like, no one knows you in Edinburgh. Like, unless you're Jason Byrne, no one gives a shit who you are. <laughs> and I was in quite a big venue, and you don't want to embarrass yourself by not selling any tickets. So you're out flyering every day, like, you know, personally trying to sell your show. And a comedy show about bulimia isn't the easiest sell in the world. <laughs> so I was targeting like women like my own age and stuff, um, who I thought looked a little sad. Uh, <laughs> Are you all right, Pat? <laughs> Are you going to eat all of that? <laughs> come to my show. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was genuinely the hardest thing I've ever done. I've never wanted to come home more in my life. But then you come home, and I think it's like childbirth. not that I've ever had a child, but You kind of forget <laughs> then don't you forget about the trauma and you're like Edinburgh like but yeah I'll go back next year because I think a lot of comedy is basically sadomasochism but I will go back (laughs) but it was really tough plus it's gonna cost me thousands everyone's like did you make loads of money I'm like none you lose your balls in Edinburgh like you have to pay for the theatre you have to pay for your posters you have to pay for everything um sorry what was the question? (laughs) <laughs> how did Edinburgh go Edinburgh was really good I really enjoyed it
1: well, what's the uh, story with your new TV3 Yes, yeah, segue. you mentioned Trollbert there and now oh yeah
5: there. so I'm doing a documentary uh, filming a documentary at the moment for TV3 called Baby Haters um, <laughs> I know Vogue's filming a documentary for RT about having her own baby so I was like how would I fuck with her <laughs> Whatever Vogue's doing, I want to do it, but weirder. So um, it's called Baby Haters. And actually, so the idea came from, I read an article online about this woman, this French woman who wrote a book about regretting becoming a mother. Um, and she, was, she never said she didn't like her kids. She's like, I, I love my children because they're my children, but I should never have been a mother. It just wasn't for me. And I just thought this was fascinating because I don't think I'm going to have children. I'm not 100%, but my boyfriend said he'd rather meet Satan than his own child. (laughs) He actually said that to me. Like, we were with each other about two weeks, (laughs) and I was like, he doesn't really... You know, and you're like, he doesn't mean it, though. Uh, But he totally does. So I was like, right, well, do I want to have kids? And that's where it came from. And it's this idea of this maternal instinct or this kind of motherhood bliss Lie that we're sold, and I think it is kind of a lie. And I think a lot of women struggle actually, and they don't necessarily immediately bond with a child. And not everyone's born for motherhood. And obviously, children are so rewarding, I hear they're very rewarding. Um, which I get behind completely. Lawyers, lawyers, (laughs) lawyers, see, (laughs) bonjour, she's here. You detest my children. <laughs>
0: uh,
5: but no, there is a lot of people out there. And there's all these like, um, forums online that are all anonymous, obviously, of um, women and men saying, I should never have done it. It wasn't for me. I resent the amount of time and the responsibility and all those things. So the documentary is basically about that. Love it. Definitely. When's that out? When's it out? The middle of November. Brilliant. But it's, it's, it, there's no Irish people. We can't get anyone in Ireland to admit that they regret having their kids. There Except we for this woman here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. So that's the documentary. Lovely. Um,
2: Joanne McNally, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next up, we have one of Ireland's... Uh, you probably won't like this, camera. but you're a national treasure. I'm just going to say it right now. I
4: see if you said Irish Times byline picture.
2: Yep, yeah. Well, you gave out over the mugshot that we used on the poster.
4: No, so I like that one. Oh. That one's from 2010. <laughs> uh, this, they, they were like, we have to update that. And this was the result. But the guy, uh, sometimes <laughs> you just have a dysfunctional relationship with a photographer. And <laughs> I don't know what expression I'm doing there, but it expresses <laughs> a lot of discomfort yeah. with the situation. Are you,
1: are you thinking about I Am a there?
4: Sorry. Are you thinking <laughs> about
1: I Am a there?
4: No, not a, he wasn't on my mind.
2: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Fucking straight in, no kissing, Graham. I like that, yeah. <laughs> so, Ken, somebody said something about you. Can we talk about that straight away, please?
1: Eamon Duffy wants <laughs> to fight you, Ken.
4: Yeah, he, he says he wants to to, to fight me with words.
2: Because <laughs> 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 he knows you've watched the UFC now, so he's not going down the physical route, I
4: presume. Well, he said, uh, you know, I don't want to put them down, but it's like they're trying to prove that you can <laughs> write and comment about football without knowing anything about it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I mean, that's gosh, on the one sense know. it's, you know, he, he, he threw out a few compliments but a few sort of not compliments. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. He said I'd he likes the chap. Yeah, he, he d- a, a nice writer, he said. But he wants himself. Like, you don't really call, you don't really call a writer nice if you're trying to compliment him. <laughs> it's just not a good, just not a word. But yeah, uh, so I don't know. I mean, we'll see if that uh, comes to pass. Would you do it?
1: A debate with Eamon Dunphy?
4: I mean, any time, any place. So. No, if I'm, <laughs> What's the yeah. story podcast?
2: Well, chapter well, 119. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so besides feed in, second captains are absolutely full. Congratulations on that because you guys took much. a leap in terms of podcasting and decided you are going to go behind a paywall and fair folks deals. Mm. Uh, we can't do that. We're not popular enough. Uh,
4: <laughs> well, you know. I mean, not totally behind the paywall. Not even
2: a sympathetic often from these pricks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. We we tried it, and it worked out, I mean, uh, so far. So we'll wait and see. I mean, we'd seen it. Like, it had already happened a few times in America. There are a couple of podcasts in America that have done this, and it's worked out quite like this Chapel Trap House. I don't know if you know. uh, These guys are like kind of left-wing political podcasts that started actually only last year. I think they started last year, maybe the end of 2015, and had like massive success with that model you know so we kind of thought in the absence of another model uh maybe we'll try that so really? yeah.
5: Sir, i don't know what that means the paywall thing what is it
2: you have to pay to hear ken's um, everywhere but they still happens.
4: have it's not
1: totally behind the no, paywall you
2: still got a couple of free ones to kind of make you go oh do you know what i like that but then the second you're like i love it give me the cash and ken has, <laughs> v-
1: ken has ventured into the world of politics and yeah. beyond the paywall there's ken's politics podcast yeah. And it's great. I can't wait for Be to call you out on that. (laughs) Sorry, I can't wait for Donv
2: to call you out on that one.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to. What were we talking about? That's the thing. I mean, the the main issue actually that he had was was my cowardice, spinelessness. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Because you know he thought I wrote a column on Monday, which he thought was an extended sort of subtweet of him and John Giles, (laughs) which which it wasn't exactly, but it kind of was a little bit, but not totally. So John Joyce H as well? Yeah, he does.
2: It's at the point, though, and like, obviously th- this is me commenting, Eamon, if you're <laughs> listening to this, yeah, right. But like, the, <laughs> the, the three lads are kind of like, you know the, the, the lads in the balcony and the Muppets, who are just angry about everything, and they just... Uh, yeah. that's, it's got to that point, though. Like, yeah. genuinely, it's kind of like, are they doing this for pantomime, or is this genuinely what they think, like?
4: I don't know. I mean, I I think Eamon Dunphy particularly has always understood that you need to have an argument about something. And, you know, I mean... He could be arguing with the fucking wind some nights. You know, that's that's kind of... uh, You have to do that. I mean, you could sit there and sort of have a friendly conversation. Oh, that was a good game. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it as well. But, like, you know, it's more interesting the way that he does it. Or, you know, it, it often is more interesting. I mean, I suppose the problem is if people start to think, oh, hang on, this is just a technique. This is just a formula. You're just banging in uh, I'll get annoyed about X, you know, you pretend to be annoyed about Y, you know, and then the program will be over after a few minutes and we can go home. That's, maybe, maybe then it doesn't work, but, you know, if you get your sort of teeth in something. I mean, I think he's always been brilliant at finding the thing that, that, that putting his, for instance, I remember uh, you, you, were, you were mentioning John Giles, uh, d- you know, hates me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does I, I think he probably does but uh, <laughs> but I, 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 he said he said on, on Dunf, Dunphy's podcast which I don't know if you ever listen to, I listen to it sometimes but uh, he said uh, D- Dunphy again was quoting the column that I'd written in the Irish Science that day and he said, oh Ken Early says and it was some point about Guardiola but what he did was he, he gave the point like a little twist, <laughs> like it wasn't exactly what I put, He ba- I, I'd kind of been saying the Man City fans are getting nervous, and this sort of affects the players. But he said he's attacking the Man City fans. He's saying these n- these people don't know anything about football. They should bow down before the great genius uh, Pep. These plebs don't know what they're looking That's at. And and he kind of put that point to Giles, and Giles was like, well, you know, this is what a lot of nonsense that is. But it was just a little little twist on the point that created the. You know, and he's always. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a. It's a good skill. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like gaming, though, does it?
2: No, not at all. Um, it's a very good point. Um yeah, we'll touch on more arguments later because <laughs> I'm not saying that even Dunphy might be on one of these picture boards coming up. I'm not saying that. Um, but until a little bit later on, ladies I and mean gentlemen, Ken Early. And then, our uh, last but not least, our, our final guest in is one on Mister David McWilliams. Um, you, yeah. yeah. who uh, you're, <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: the festival machine, as Danny has put you there, David. Yeah, festival machine.
2: Because um, <laughs> at this point, you're running several festivals.
3: Yeah, it's, it's it's not been able to have a real job for very long. You know, you've, <laughs> you know, it's a f- it's a fear of a boss, so you've got to figure it out. No, we just fell into doing the festivals, so and now we do two. One yeah. in Dalky, the book festival, and one Kilconomics, which is economics and comedy. and uh, A natural combination. A natural yeah. combination. No, and it was funny, and it works really well. Like we, The, the idea came in, an old fri- friend of mine is Father Dougal, Ardlow Hanlon, and he and I were talking, we're bonded together by a love of Leeds United as well, so it's very deep and kind of pathetic. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you get over that after a while. It was a bad choice at the age of four or five. But he said to me one day, look, he said, look, you know all this economic stuff, you know, maybe there's a, there's something in, kind of laughing at it, and making it funny and making it more accessible. And I said, okay, fine. And he said, look, why don't we try and get the comedians, and you get the economists, and we bring them down to Kilkenny, and and it works amazingly well. And I think it works because, you know, um, comedians give people the permission to ask questions. If you see. A stand up asking questions. Suddenly you're in the audience saying, This stuff isn't that hard. It's not that difficult. It's not that technical. I'll ask the question too. And it really opens it up and it's, it's a hoot. So so it's a festival ask, machine.
1: Can I ask, um, has the economy fallen to its arse again? <laughs> <laughs> Straight <laughs> to the point. Oh,
3: Tanya, great. Well, no, the problem is it has to go all the way up, 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 up before it falls at its arse again. Right. No, I think it's, I think it's, I mean, the problem, the big problem is, is the housing market, which is, again, a thing that happens every time Ireland booms. There's a massive transfer of wealth from workers to landlords. It's really simple. And it happens all the time. And then you get a crash and we start again. And it is kind of unusual that you think, the interesting thing about economics is nobody ever learns anything. You know, after a big crashes, oh, fuck, we'll never do that again. And oh, man, we'll never do that. Oh, no, well, never. Jesus, what happened to us? We must have been off our heads. We couldn't believe it. And then very slowly, it's human nature. We're kind of programmed to be optimistic. About the future, and then very, very slowly, the little bit of human nature comes back in, and that won't happen to me, it's gonna be different this time, and we go back to square one. So, it, economics is kind of just like a study of, of humans, and we get giddy together, and then we get depressed together, and we gossip. You know, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm not working, I'm usually gossiping. <laughs> I love gossiping, you know, it's like, fuck, now he did this, he did that. And humans are this, all of us are the same, so we really, economists always say, well, People are rational, and people don't get influenced by the last conversation, and people are very, very cold and logical, but we're not. We're really giddy people, and we get really influenced by the last conversation, by what's going on around us, and therefore we just behave like a big herd. So in a crash, everyone gets depressed together, and the crash gets much, much worse because everyone's getting depressed. And then as people start to get giddy, 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 and we're we're in the giddy phase now. And that could last for another four or five years. You're describing this like winter in Game of Thrones. I won't lie; <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, it's coming. I swear it is. Yeah. but we don't know when.
3: But it's you know, but that's that's what it is. It's not you know. I mean, it's like a lot of things. Uh, you know, it's it's back to your football commentary idea. You know, I've you know I have a better knowledge than you have. It's kind of bullshit. It's kind of you know commentary hierarchy. And in economics, what has happened is uh, academic economists, and I work with them down. The Trinity, they get very, very nervous about people making ideas accessible and writing and talking in the normal language. And they try to pretend that this is much more difficult and much more technical and you need a degree in this, that, and the other. You don't. You just need to walk around Dublin. like Walk around Dunleary. Dunleary, Georgia Street, is a great leveler. Walk around Georgia Street and you'll see the economy working and not working. And that's all it is. Just human nature and um Kilconomics is in November it's in November you should come down I'd love to you should come down yeah we're, we we uh it's in November and uh, it's it it works i i don't I, I really it's like a lot of things you know i don't know why it works but it does yeah. and yeah. thousands of people turn up and it's a hoot Deadly. brilliant and I love
2: it. so economics in November lads so you can to uh, a website you know what? Yeah, it's cookonomics.com.
3: This is great. It's a free plug. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you know, this. You know, what the fuck are yeah. we doing here? This is great. Don't no um, You can yeah. And I like everything. my children, by the way. <laughs> They're all right. <laughs> 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 okay. So one, one person who's proud Yeah, yeah, really cool. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, we can form a self help group afterwards, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, ladies and gentlemen, Dave McWilliams.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, so this is the part then where uh, I said there's a picture board. Um, chances are we're not going to get through all nine topics. It really does depend on how the conversation goes on each one, to be honest. We've given ourselves nine because if we only gave ourselves three, it could be really shit. Um, honesty is the best policy. Um, but yeah, Joanne will go ladies first. P- pick a number between one and nine. Uh, four. Four. I've done these and I can't remember what it is, so... Oh, it's Danny Healy Ray. This is great. Uh, oh, Jesus. So Danny Healy Ray uh, has been in the news recently because he's saying people should be allowed to have a pint and a half and then drive home. Or he's also been in the news for saying things like sharoni God controls the weather." As and, of, and, and the, the fairy forts and the fairy forts and
5: how? Yeah, okay, sorry, go on. Yeah, was he
4: arguing with someone over the weather? I mean, what was the what yeah, he was he saying? Uh, God, was
1: old skill. it was
2: a It was. A <laughs> was a conversation about climate change, and he was like, I don't, oh be right, right. "Don't be giving me that. Don't be. Only God controls that sure.
5: But you know, I think I don't know are there are people religious here, and I know that some people get really sensitive about. Look, those lads are raging. Yeah, that's They're it. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even said that. Yet.
2: <laughs> Fucking say hail Mary, quick outside, it's true. quick.
5: No, please. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> I was actually doing a gig down in Cork at the comedy festival last weekend and it's the first time sorry I know we'll get back to this but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I have this shi- it's a really shit joke but it's basically about how women in Ireland uh, ha- wi- Irish women hate riding sober because <laughs> it's too intense the eye contact on us so we all have a few drinks or whatever and I was like oh women do it it's an international it's a global thing and I said the Virgin Mary like it probably wasn't um, an immaculate conception she was probably in a blackout <laughs> <laughs> what thank you right so whatever so I did this joke anyway and this woman came up to me after and she was so lovely and she was like I really like your work which was a lie like she was setting it up and I was like oh thanks thanks and we were chatting and she goes do you know what leave Mary out of it (laughs) and I was like what because I didn't understand like what what she meant she goes Mary not like the like Mary like she was her mate I mean like she was her neighbor and she's like, leave Mary out of it. You don't need her. Don't be bringing Mary into it. <laughs> and I was like, she's not a real person. <laughs> um, sorry, so you're Yeah, no, that's... I think that, uh, this is terrible. I think maybe it's a generational thing. Anyone now at my age who is religious, I think, like, they're fantasists. That sounds harsh, but that's what I think. Like, I read this open letter that Serena Williams wrote to her mother the other day. Did anyone read this?
1: No, I've seen it. Though. About how she's been
5: body shamed all her life about looking like a man, and because she's so built and all this stuff, and she was—it was a really powerful letter. And then she went, and I thank God for him. and I was like, out, gone, because it's <laughs> gone. I was yeah. so behind you, Serena, and now you're saying, God built your body. Like, are you? It's 2017. Like that's like saying elves built your body. Like, it's <laughs> I just—I'm—I don't buy into it at all. So th- this to me is like a parody.
1: But it's like as well in the, in the UFC when when a fighter wins by knockout and they're like thanking their coaches and thanking their trainers and they're like, I'd like to thank God. I know. Like God wants to see you knock the fuck out of some lad. Yeah, exactly.
5: Put him on his back. He's got other things to be doing. Jesus loves knockouts. Do you know what I mean? No, is, there, is there nothing to be said for no. the divine creator? No. That's like is there nothing to be said for an old mass. That was in Father's head. <laughs> but <laughs> but, yeah. it yeah.
1: but is it is it concerning that there is a large amount of people in this country that are voting both the Healy rise into government? I
5: think it's a, I think it's a real generational thing. I think like my mother would be like reli- like religious. Um, she doesn't go to mass anymore because she golfs now, which is taking. <laughs> So she's taking priority. Um, but I know she's thinking about the mask, do you know what I mean? She's having a good think about it. Uh, but she would be very religious. So she would totally see it as it like it's how they were raised. And it's very difficult. Like if you're raised a certain way, and brainwash is too strong a word, but like if you were raised on something, it's very hard to change that way of thinking. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I think anyway. So it makes sense to me that he's look like, that like that woman who came up to me at the gig, like it makes sense to me that he's still floating around, even though it's a bit bananas. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, your man Healy, Healy Ray, uh, he's from a very strange part of the world called Kilgarvan,
3: which is just on the Kerry and Cork border. And I know this because I have cousins from the Cork side, and it's a place called Balavourney to Galtock. My mother describes them as incomprehensible in two languages, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and they are actually, and I have I have triplet cousins there. Okay, <laughs> who were born in the 60s and when there was no triplets, so they're known as the Three Twins oh in the village, right? So I go down there <laughs> on say, come That's South out. Ireland. Yeah, say, That's <laughs> South Ireland. <laughs> so I'm just giving these stories to put context in this. So, come here, those Three two, Twins, fucking hell, eh? Three of them, like came out of art one time, eh? So, uh, so I, I've, I've been introduced to these people for many years. And when you drive from Balavorni, uh towards Killarney, there is a little small town called Kilgarvan, where the old Healy Ray, the Muchacha, you know the cap, the, the the cap of the tutti, decapi you know the patron yeah. of the uh, the family, <laughs> and you you drive through, and there is a Kim Jong Un type statue <laughs> of this fella with a big fucking cap on him, right? <laughs> and so you realise that politics down that neck of the woods is about the fella who can engineer everything for the people. And I think his two sons, you talked about Dunphy, maybe it was a technique, right? Right. This idea of, you know, we'll have a row about something, and consequently the show will be over, and people will go mad, but the job will be done. I think these guys are just playing it perfectly. In Kerry, you have this ridiculous notion uh, that Dublin gets everything, even though If you're nerdy like me and you look at the sums, you realise that Dublin actually pays taxes for everybody else in the country, but you'd never hear that uh, on radio. And they are playing a blinder. If you are a single farmer who goes to the pub, the drink driving ban has been a disaster for them socially, right? It really has, you know. And uh, and the God thing, he's just playing to the gallery. As that's all God things do. And and I think that sometimes. I was down, um, the most interesting thing is th- when they got elected, I was doing yeah. uh, a, a speech in Killarney about four days before the election, and it really reminded me of something from the 70s because uh, there were two cars going around Killarney with pictures of both Healy Rays, right? on it, right, And there was a, some big fucking mulchy shouting and roaring out of the back of it. <laughs> you know? Um, but the brilliant thing was the, <laughs> the soundtrack they had, which I thought was great, was Match of the Day right? <laughs> so, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> and I was going through the whole thing, and I just thought, that's Ireland. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, we can get all upset about these guys, but when you go down and you, you see the three twins and their mates
1: <laughs> down in, in the middle of nowhere, that's what they're like. Ken, would you have either them on your politics podcast?
4: Um, <coughs> well, I didn't know. Uh, when I first saw it, I was like... Why is Mahmoud Ahmadinejad sitting in what looks like the <laughs> East, you So I didn't actually know w- who it was. But now that I know, um, I mean, he's just a politician who tells his voters what they want to hear, yeah, which makes him like lots of other politicians. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I mean if on the drink driving thing in Kerry, I mean, I've been to Kerry that often. I, w- I, w- I remember being down in Glen Bay one time in 2011, maybe. We were doing a, a road show for uh, News Talk, and there was a couple of Kerry footballers at our show. It was uh, the big guy star, uh, Kieran Donaghy, and I can't remember where the other player was actually. But the point was, after the show, we all had to cross the road into this pub, uh, and there was lots of people. It was packed. It was like a Monday night, packed pub. Pub was uh, you know packed uh, pretty late. At some point, the police came around. Actually, I was speaking to an off duty policeman who was in, who'd been at the show. He's from Dublin, because the police down there are from Dublin. And I got the impression talking to him that if he ever was to really seriously investigate anything that happened there, <laughs> all that would be left of him is some freshly turned earth. <laughs> and that was that's you know, that, that was that was the limits of his power, and he knew that. These policemen came along and they and they were kind of like, Well, you know, you might want to start wrapping it up, and it's like one o'clock in the morning. So what happened was just the two Kerry players were sent out to send the police away. And, and uh, you know, they uh, Kieran Donnie went out, talked to them, and was like, yeah, they're gone. You know, we're good for another, <laughs> for another while. Yeah, grand. Mm, that was it. So it was kind of like, okay. I mean, it's a, di- it's a different, yeah, it's, I- it's a completely different sort of. Uh, Look, like MA is a small village. It's surrounded by this like prehistoric countryside. You know, yeah. this, this like the. the but sea it's an amazing place down there. So it's a, it's a totally different setup from, from like a suburb in Dublin. You know, it's, it's just different. It's a different place, so it has a different culture. So. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how strictly that band and is the enforced, thing but is that they that And that
3: they really put it on, though, when, when dubs come down. I mean, they really lay it on thick, the accent, the whole thing, as if, you know, you're basically going to Mars here, okay? <laughs> and, you know, I remember my, my dad, who was uh, from Turkey from and was married to my mum, and went first down to that neck of the woods, and he was sitting in one of the local boozers, and uh, he was totally shocked by... He just sat down and talked to some... Ph- and this fellow said to him, and this is how they speaks it. That's English. <laughs> and the direct translation is, do you have a hammer? Uh, yes, I do. But unfortunately, I've lost it. Right? Okay. So once you realize that you're in a totally different world, right? So I think that he's
2: exactly r- like me, Hallam
3: to go after 10 points. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's like going to Bray. Worse. You know what's you got to pray? You just can't understand anything. You know, you pass through Shankill, it's like Nina, 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 fucking Bray. Here we go. Right.
0: It's
2: true. You know it's true. I won't say anything bad again. No comment about Bray. No Bray. Yeah. I mean, the people of Bray have weapons. That's so all I'm fucking saying.
0: <laughs>
5: Do you think, though, sorry, just to um, bring the tone right down, uh, that there's something kind of sad, though, about... I remember reading this article, and it's like like what you were saying, men and women living on their own um, in the country, and they're completely isolated, and their only way of having contact with other people is pubs, and going to the pub, and the, so the drink driving band basically... And mass. And mass. But mass isn't the same crack. So... <laughs> And with Can't the drinking ban, loads of the pubs, loads, loads of those kind of country pubs shut down, and that now these people have no way of socialising or anything, and I think that's sad. Let them drink and drive. Fuck us. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: them. I bought this topic up to take the piss out of him, and now I'm like, you know
3: what? He's onto something. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I've changed my mind completely yeah, now.
5: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're voting
3: for them next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be running in Dunleary, those lads with the caps.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if they had their way, Richie Boy
3: Barrett to run for his money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, we'll watch <laughs> you know,
2: Graham and Richard are busy's now. Are you busy's?
1: Well, we're good friends. Richie's okay. Richie's all
2: right. Yes. Continue. We'll go over another topic, lads, will we? Vote oh boy, Barry. <laughs> right, Ken, we'll give you this one. What number would you like? Eight. 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 Favourite decade? So, if you, like, because obviously there's a, a, a generation span, I would imagine, across this. Yeah. So. You know, musically, TV shows, sportingly, you know, seventies, eighties, oh nineties. Favorite decade,
4: <laughs> Jesus. Well, I come from the nineteen seventies. Right. Uh, so yeah. But I only did very tail then, so I don't really don't remember much of it. The nineteen eighties, I enjoyed. The nineteen nineties were fine. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll say the nineteen nineties actually, the most complacent, easy decade that has, has ever happened in the history of the world. Uh, because it actually seemed like a time when everything had been solved. It was <laughs> like, this is, we've cracked it. Like, things things are all sorted out now. The Berlin Wall came down. The people of Germany came together. The Eastern Bloc, you know, melted away. And, and it, it, it's all worked out. We've reached the end. We've now reached the end of, of development, and here we are. And in fact, the f- most famous book, the most famous book of that Decade, Poli- politically, is probably the end of history, mainly because of it's n- it now everybody's like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, a bit like Mark Coleman's The Best is Yet to Come, but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know why I remember that. But the, the end of history was, what, 91 or 92, this, this book, which essentially said, look, uh, everything has been sorted now, and uh, all that remains is just to, I guess, keep going and, you know. Uh, live longer and longer lives but it, it, it actually did seem kind of that way I mean when you look back at it now it's it's there was so many bad things that happened without people paying any attention you know there was like for instance in in uh, you know th- this whole excitement that's surrounded say Tony Blair you know there was this massive excitement about this this guy who even at the time you could tell was like he was a bit was a bit slimy, but you know, <laughs> it was like this. He he was like, oh, you know, we can now sort of put aside all of these like uh, left wing principles or all these principles of redistribution. Because guess what, capitalism really works. Uh, we're going to you know allow the banks to just free free up the regulations a bit and let them to make even more m- let them make even more money, so we can all share in the wealth that it generates. We can all have you know an amazing. B- and obviously, it led to total disaster. But at the time, you can kind of see how it Made sense or people thought uh, this is going to work, and now it's kind of funny because communism is coming back. <laughs> I, li- I never thought I'd see that. <laughs> it's communism is, is back like big time, and actually, we should try it. I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a believer, I think, I think we need to try it. But it's the youth, though, isn't it? Like, yeah.
1: even with we see with just going off topic a bit, but Jeremy Corbyn and his kind of support, all his supporters were primarily from colleges and, yeah. and universities, and they they got behind them yep. big time.
4: Well, they're like, how, how are we supposed to live? We can't afford to live anywhere. We can't. Afford, we, we we get paid fuck off for anything that we do. What what what's what it's is this? Like this is bullshit. Yeah. This obviously <laughs> this is nonsense. We have, we need to change this. So it's not surprising to me that they're all. You know, this this communism is, is <laughs> the red flag is back. Like <laughs> bring it back. But, but you know, it's. Uh, I, I think, I mean, so so I'm saying the 90s. Even though I'm saying, I think it was it was really a, it was a disaster. It was su- there's such complacency. When you look at everything that happened there, there's just this real sense of, ah, oh, we don't need to worry about anything. And and in this time, loads of mistakes were made, causing massive problems later on. But at the time, it was really nice to live through. You felt like you didn't have anything to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, didn't, you didn't have things to worry about. Like oh, There was none of this stuff that there is now. You know, it, the, the kind of concerns that people have, you know, housing, fucking housing crisis, Like, are you joking? Like in Dublin in 1996, the one housing problem people had in 96 is 10 years later going, why the fuck did I buy a house in Dublin <laughs> <laughs> in 1996 <laughs> where you could buy one for like 50 grand? You know, it was kind of like a, it was like a, an amazing time when you look back. I mean, it was, it was lazy, complacent, and stupid, and everyone was wasting their time, but it was just nice. Yeah, <laughs> it would be great if we could go back it's there true. and stay there forever. Oh, you had Italian 90.
2: Exactly. <laughs> you, had Italian, you did have Italian 90. This is not a TV show, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, you had Italian 90. Yeah. You had USA 94. <laughs> <laughs> you had the other things that happened in the fucking 90s. <laughs> um, yeah, so lazy, complacent, stupid. It's a nice. 90s. It's nice to hear that, not about me,
5: to be honest (laughs) with you. Joanne, were you 90s? Uh, So um, I was born in the 80s. I don't really remember them. But Ken was there talking about Tony Blair and all. And I was like, which generation's clothes do I like wearing the most? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Like, which decade stands out for me? And it's 90s, because um, in the 80s, I was just wearing, like, baby clothes or whatever. and then. Once the 90s hit I got a bit of independence and uh, I was dressed like a tiny raver because you dressed as the people who were slightly <laughs> older than you like everyone did that like when you were 12 13 you were dressing like the 18 year olds were so I was 12 I remember going to mass with my mum wearing Eclipse dungarees <laughs> you with one an eclipse yes pad. I do. An ex- one ex-wife. strap on like one strap on and underneath it I had a t-shirt with three remember the la- I remember the kind of the Remember that? He looked like the 7-Up guy. And one Frodo, had a hand Frodo grenade. huh? Th- what's his name, Frodo? He was this really uh-huh. kind of, like, he was on all the T-shirts. And one of them had a hand grenade. And the other was smoking a massive counter. Like, I was 11. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, the other one was doing something else illegal. And I was wearing a <laughs> necklace with all those soothers. Um, <laughs> and I was ready to go to mass with my mum. And she was like... Are you wearing that? And I was 11, so I was fiercely independent. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, fucking I'm wearing it." And that's all I really remember about the 90s. (laughs) And I know the 80s were great because you could buy a house for two pounds and a chicken, which is what my my parents did. They bought our house in Kalini for, I think it was like 18 grand or something. Um, Now it's two million. Yeah, like tennis courts, the hell's No, it's totally normal (laughs) house, totally normal house. But like they did, they bought it for very little money. And um, I remember talking to her about it because she has this big thing about that my generation has no sense of delayed uh, gratification, which is totally true. Like we would fail any marshmallow test as in like, I want it now. Do you know what I mean? Like I want it all now. And she was like, we bought the house. And I was like, how did you manage? And she was like, we just did with the house. So basically, they bought the house and just sat in it for 20 years. <laughs> and never left. And they just never left. And then mum would just buy in a box of wine every week. And she'd just sit there slugging out of it. <laughs> And that was what they did and then if they were going out like this was i remember like having babysitters very rarely like there was a really big deal like and mom was getting her hair done all day and this was to go down to like Finn, like to go to the local like for the night with my dad do you know what i mean yeah. they barely spoke like they were just like <laughs> we'll just go and not speak in Finnegan's for the night <laughs> rather than not speak in the kitchen and we had babysitters and it was such a big deal because they did they just did without they just did without and that's why I'll starve to death by the time I'm 48 but <laughs> I don't mind that and I don't mind that and also I think the noughties should be up there as well yeah oh it's optional that was yeah, just, that was just uh, oh sorry okay just when I googled best that decade. wasn't clear yeah. uh, because that's the decade I remember the most obviously Um. so that's my fave you good enough Dave, hello to you. Uh,
3: well, I, I was in national school in the 70s, born in, in the late 60s, and national school in the 70s. I have this really kind of dreamy memory of, uh, right beside you, you know Johnstown National School? Yep. yep. Right there. And uh, this bizarre sort of memory of everyone loving the Ra, which was really unusual <laughs> at the time. Because the Ra... are you Ra looking at me for? <laughs> No, but all these all these lovely little kids, you know, from around Cabin TV and around in Leary. And for some reason, what had happened was, it really sticks out in my memory, that the Ra had managed to get a helicopter into Mount Joy and get some out, like James Bond. And we all came back to school and we were like, fucking hell, those Provo lads. I mean, I remember at the time just having huge respect for the Provos, right, not really, really being aware they were killing people all over the place, but it was up there. And I was also in school with a fella who I remember my mother being very upset that I was friendly with this lad. Uh, Not least because, this is the Ra thing, because his mother was in the Ra. It was was actually like the Rubber Bandit song. Wasn't my dad, was it? And my mum used to say, and she'd say, what did they say in that house? And I said, I don't know. They were all talking, you know, fucking West Belfast. So I had no idea what they were saying. And I always remember that distinctly in the 70s, that my mother's big fear... I'd join the ride, I'd be the poshest rap person ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like the shittest letter bomber ever. Okay, <laughs> Sorry, your hand isn't quite right. I don't quite like it. And, uh, but I have a very kind of a fond, distant memory of the 70s. The 80s, of course, I was in secondary school and in college and uh, you know, it's really funny, you know, when they when they talk about the 80s in Ireland, they say it was so miserable, but it was brilliant crack. It was really, it was like a superannuated version of the 90s. Right? It was, uh, I I had really fond memories of growing up, being a teenager in Dunleary in the 1980s, and and then going to college and going to the States and all that. And then the 1990s I was living in England, so it's funny you were talking about Blair, Mm. and you know, the the Britpop and Blair, and the obsession the Brits had with being sort of trendy (laughs) and cool, and Cool Britannia and all that sort of stuff. So (laughs) I'll go for the 80s as being a fantastically... Me, you know, when you look back at the mullets and things, you can't but not love them, right? The lack of style, the lack, the sort of lovely Irish weakness for the stonewash denim jacket. <laughs> Do you remember that kind of Albanian look that <laughs> we have? And the queues outside the American embassy, you know, beautiful things like that, you know? Um, and, and uh, yeah, the 80s, it was really mental. Mental and good fun. daddy what would you say? Uh,
1: 90s. Why? Uh, Italian 90 and USA 94. I with that. Place got upended. You wash our mouth. There was, there was, do you know the scenes, like in, there was, it was the 2002 World Cup and I think Senegal might have be f- b- beaten France in the opening they game. beat them
4: in the first game, yeah.
1: Yeah. And the, it was Senegal's first World Cup and the cameras went back to Senegal and they had all the locals hanging out with their ladders and all. I was just to the nineties and ninety four. <laughs> I tell you, there's a
3: great if you wanna if you wanna see Ireland in the eighties, go and Google Balbriggan, nineteen eighty eight. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. It's the nice or the walk-ins b- it was now the roundabout as well. It was, but the, the Balbriggan one is great because we really look like Albanians. <laughs> it's brilliant, right? And it's and it's somebody put a, a camera on in Balbriggan, and it's beautifully. It's very apt. It starts in the chipper, right? And it starts in the chipper at closing, and then it flicks back to they were they were doing it all day. And it is extraordinary because that's what Ireland looked like. You know, it looked totally different. And there was people, it wasn't a ladders. It was the Fiat Mirafiori was the uh, car of choice. Remember that one? Okay. The (laughs) 128. They were the car of choice. So it is kind of funny because it is like time traveling. It's not that long ago, really. Well, I don't think it's that long ago. Joanne obviously thinks it's the last century, which it was. (laughs) The last millennium, which it was too. But I mean, it it, it was a funny decade. Jesus Christ.
1: What's going
3: on here? <laughs> <laughs> <Come> on, <what? laughs> okay, that was sorted. We're
5: going off. I just wanted to say about the decades or whatever. I uh, don't remember um, the Italia thing. Well, I do. Like, the, in the Italia thing. But it wasn't my bag at the time. That was amazing. No. <laughs> no. Uh, what I remember really strongly as a kid was um, Riverdance and the yes. Eurovision. Yes. Do you know what I think? I think. that <laughs> the likes of Netflix and all um, are kind of ruining Ireland's sense of community because back when we had like two channels and everyone watched everything and we were like more together as in, you know what I mean? You could like talk about everyone just experienced the same thing whether it was shite or great, or whatever. So everyone walked away from Riverdance, and it was like a shared national experience, Where is now, fucking... See the way
2: that. you said it there? You said Riverdance, you said Eurovision.
5: Yeah, I remember them yeah. so well. Train three a row we done the 90s, lads. Ireland's ever done three in a with fucking Anton. Do what I mean? We were mad. We were so good at it. We were amazing. When we embraced our culture and then we went to a poppy and we lost it. Yeah, that's him.
2: true. We lost, our, we lost one of ourselves. We and then him they him. said
5: it was a conspiracy that we kept losing it on purpose because we couldn't afford it. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pa- yeah. Pat Kenny was behind it all. I don't know. I Is <laughs> Pat Kenny behind yeah. everything? ultimately? Fucking like with the Ultimate. auto cues and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: Dave, we'll take, a, we'll take a selection from you next.
3: Uh, go, for, uh,
2: go for five. Five. North Korea. Oh. So there's uh, Kim uh, Jong Un uh, inspecting a load of water slides. You might notice, but it's but they're mad for water parks in North Korea. Genuinely, uh, Kim Jong Il was obsessed with them. They look like uh, the Rainbow Rapids, don't they?
5: like uh, yes. do so so
3: the Rainbow Rapids. <laughs> this looks like I mean. the '70s. This is Mosny with a few ch- <laughs> with a few Chinese lads. You know, the the the, the, s- the small Chinese population that we had at the time uh you know before the spice bag uh, forced them all <laughs> on us. so that's it so it's so it is actually chinese lads who ended up selling spice bags at mosney in 1974 with the ra in uniform <laughs> <laughs> nah i mean kim not not all the <laughs> <But> yeah exactly <laughs> you can hide so six packs up those flares exactly <laughs> Your six-pack of stag is safe up the flares. <laughs> so, yeah, that's them uh, pointing at uh, somebody, at Donald Trump on a water slide. <laughs> and they're saying, he's the fucking head of the free world. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it is kind of it is kind of scary uh, what's going on. And uh, I like the way that the world is degenerating to take up on... Ken's point about there was something uh, beautiful about the '90s when it was safe, and when communism was gone, and when the West was—I mean, the notion that uh, the president of America sits on the jacks tweeting <laughs> in the middle of the night uh, is kind of shocking. And uh, I quite like—I quite like the, the insults being traded by the two of them. Um, and. The dotard was the expression that Kim on Young, whatever his name is, came out with, which was a gem. It was an old person in their dotage who's losing their marbles. And I was always intrigued about that, how they came out with that word to describe Trump. But it is kind of terrifying, because he has said that they will shoot down American planes. They have made a total fool of the Yanks in the eyes of the world. The Yanks power is being very much exposed as a kind of an empty threat. And it's terrifying that someone like Trump is in there with the codes. You know, it really is terrifying. And, you know, people say that these things come and go. And I was speaking to a friend of mine who's the editor of one of the big English newspapers uh, about two months ago. And he was saying, oh, I I rang him on a Friday night uh, and I was over in London to go out for a pint. He said, oh yeah, we just had this editorial meeting and it was this fucking North Korea stuff again. And he says, I've seen 10 of these bloody North Korean crises and this is going to come and go and, you know, it's bullshit. And maybe it's not. Maybe there will be a nuclear war because he's provoking the Yanks and eventually... Uh, America will have to react in some way. So well it's they're, it's they're provoking.
4: They're provoking him as well. I'm almost more yeah, worried oh about no, no, that. No, they are provoking him. Yeah, because because I mean, the, the question I would have is why has North Korea been so desperate to get nuclear weapons all this time? Like North Korea is a really because poor country. because it's terrified. Yeah. Well, the, well, in what way? Though? Because it's like North Korea has, is a really poor country. I think they've. It's like fifteen hundred dollars a year per person is, is what they have. You know, e- economically, it's very very poor for for most people. Now. And yet they've been desperately trying to develop nuclear weapons. Develop water
3: slides, by the looks <laughs> <of
4: technology. laughs> but no, this incredibly expensive. I agree with you. you know.
3: No, but I think that I think I think the lesson is after Saddam is saying. But this is this is the, I know what the saying. Saddam was saying was like, "Oh shit!" To the rest of the world, don't give up your weapons yeah. of mass destruction. But I, but but the I same don't know. If it's I don't know if it's, if it's the same. The
4: that, like that is what that is what the Americans think. That is what the Americans think. That they think. The North Koreans want nuclear weapons because they're scared of us. They're scared that we will come in and do what we did in Afghanistan, Iraq, and you know, Iraq, yeah. All these other countries. Like there's, there's tons of countries where they've changed the government, or, you know, uh, subverted a government that was there, trying to replace the government. They've, t- including North Korea. I mean, they destroyed North Korea. It's just nobody in America remembers this. The North Koreans remember that. The Americans just walked away and forgot all, about, uh, forgot having destroyed this country. Whereas for North Korea, it's the foundation myth of of their. Of their, their, their entire sort of national, you know, curriculum or ideology, this is what they think. Now, they really want to have nuclear weapons. <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it is because of this idea that you read about in American magazines that, well, obviously, it's a rational calculation by the regime. They want to stay in power. Therefore, they want the nuclear weapons. But, you know, these magazines were wrong about, like, their own country. They don't know anything about North Korea. They don't know anything about this guy. You know he's probably not as crazy as Donald Trump. The odds are against it, but <laughs> he, he is. He has had a, weir- a very weird life. He's the gr- the son and grandson of absolute rulers. You know everybody in the country is. He's like a kind of a demigod or whatever. Like he's a, he's a figure of absolute authority, and like he's obviously a little bit strange. He's arranged all of these bizarre kind of killings. You know what I mean? He's a kind of a he's his a uncle. Killer. He killed his cu- uncle, didn't he? Yeah. So a so kind of unstable character. On the other side, then, this, Trump insulting him. Like, literally insulting and ridiculing him openly. For no, w- w- like, I mean, the Americans are obviously sitting there clutching their heads and heart, What the fuck is doing?" In he fairness, is? calling him
2: Rocket Man was pretty fucking funny, though. I just
4: think there's too many things that no one no one really knows what, what exactly the North Koreans think all they can see is but this this country threatening them this country that's destroyed them before threatening them and there's obviously a madman in charge of that country like in, 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 in the West it's like oh the North Korean dictator is a madman well he's you know <laughs> from their <laughs> point of view it looks as though this much yeah. more powerful country obviously has a madman and he is threatening them directly yeah. what are they supposed to think about At this
3: I think they should just give nuclear weapons to South Korea and then it's over it be pretty then it's tricky, over I mean the Yanks, the Yanks are all worried about this proliferation of nuclear weapons and yada yada, yada. Um, but there's a lot of states with nuclear weapons Pakistan, Israel, South Africa all these countries are um, so it seems to me that if the Yanks want to de-escalate this thing just equip the South Koreans with nuclear warheads and neither of them will blow each other up that's what I think. Tha- tha- I think that's the way it's going to end up. Yeah. And I think the Americans are worried about that, of that, uh, proliferation of jo- you. He, he is a quite crazy, uh crazy uh, creature. His haircuts are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Joanne, go- Looks a
3: bit like Danny's haircut, actually. I was thinking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we always try to keep up with the latest trends in North Korea. Yeah.
5: Joanne,
1: there must be loads of uh, opportunity really for I satire.
5: Like, for I Trump. don't really do political stuff. Um, but I'm obviously not an expert, but I genuinely feel Kim <laughs> is just a really insecure <laughs> man. Like, I feel like it's a real case of small man syndrome, um, and he feels threatened, so that's why he wears those really large pants. And he's... The point... Remember he threw that tantrum where he was, like, throwing nuclear bombs over China and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, It that's... It, honestly, to me, it was like a child throwing their... Do you know when, like... A child you see them throwing a tante in a supermarket because their mum won't buy them cheerios and they start throwing shit around <laughs> and all i'm
2: 29 and my oxana doesn't buy me cheerios. Yeah, you're right.
5: <laughs> that was what it felt like he was doing and i also think that it's completely escalated now like when i know obama wasn't a particularly popular president actually because he didn't do a lot but when he was rocking around no one really heard that much from north korea they just kind of ticked along like why are we hearing about poking it poking them yeah just let them off just let them do whatever they want to do. Like, Who why are we aggravating them?
1: He's gas because he keeps inviting uh, Dennis Rodman over.
5: He's desperate What oh, is that all about? He just wants Him to be Him and Madonna. Cooper.
1: What? Matt Cooper was over. Cooper was yeah. over with yeah. Dennis Rodman.
3: And Madonna, wasn't it? He or she was just belong. with Dennis Rodman.
5: He wants to be taken seriously. I don't know if seriously. she went. He wants to be in the UN and all that, doesn't he? Like, he wants to be at the table. He, he wants, wants to be taken to be seriously. Creative, yeah. So
1: you think yeah. he's misunderstood?
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just a bit of a bully. He's having a of
3: Asian
1: politics.
2: I think we should... Think we should try and bring this podcast to North Korea. <laughs> yeah. We, we had six we'll listeners from North Korea, then we talked about North Korea and they were gone. <laughs> bring this exact listener, this exact face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got about fifteen downloads in South Korea one day. The next day we had two showing up in North Korea. We get this map with our statistics on it. There was two showing up in North Korea for about a week and then suddenly they disappeared. And we were like, Is that a fucking glitch? Or <laughs> has something just happened because we had just done an entire episode on North Korea? Kim's um, mad yeah. for Baliber. Is yeah. the
5: water park yeah. thing? Is that a real thing or not? Yeah,
2: a real yeah thing. that's real. Yeah. His dad um, was mad into water parks, and <laughs> <laughs> like they used to, the the US used to track it through the satellite images, where once or twice a year you would see water slides kind of go from the south of the country to the north. He'd move them around based on where he was going on holidays. Like. Yeah, what? yeah, because he was obsessed with water parks, and then obviously he was like, you know what? It's like
5: being in and yeah. all around the world. <laughs> <It's here. laughs>
2: for a so holiday like it's madness though because his brother his brother got, got uh, not excommunicated but whatever the fuck the word when he was killed in Malaysia killed. yeah because he wanted to go to Disneyland he was stopped in in I think it was uh, yeah. Malaysia he was
3: stopped in Japan that was it yeah uh, on a false passport Because he on his to way go to Disneyland yeah. to Euro Disney I think I think it was but, a Euro but is that
1: the one where um, two or two or three women killed him because he they was killed in Malaysia I think. Yeah, they yeah, thought they, yeah. okay. they were a part of a reality TV show yeah North Koreans a great bunch of lads yeah um,
2: we'll take one from the audience now lads so uh, somebody shout a number at me there seven seven I heard because everybody else is real shy or <laughs> they've lost the will to fucking live
3: the the Kardashians <laughs>
5: So, um, Kylie's pregnant. I
3: thought they were Pans people or something.
5: (laughs) How was Kylie pregnant two weeks before the next series is about to? How did Chris do that? She's like a genius (laughs) because it's in the media, it's in all the big news outlets Daily Mail, E True Hollywood Story. (laughs)
2: Yeah, all the big news outlets Daily Mail. Um, the Kardashians, yeah, look, in fairness, I've watched a lot of the Kardashians. I times. love them, and they're great. Like, it's, it's know. that chewing gum for the brain kind of stuff. Where but like it's their
5: bit, like, I, everyone slags them off, and, like, they're multi, 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 and yeah, okay, it did come from a sex tape, but whatever, like, they're... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen,
5: if I bought out a sex tape, I'd appreciate you all by it. Thank you. I was going to say, my sex tape
2: got me a letter off the guard, eh? You didn't
5: <laughs> <have your> <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> <laughs> they're smart smart ass business women they are yeah. and they seem sound i know everyone hates them but like they do genuine i'd love i'd love to be sisters with them <laughs> i'd love that career behind me i want that support and chris is a ride i know that doesn't matter but she is <laughs> and they've been through a lot all right sorry <laughs> <laughs> You look your dad transitioning like publicly in front of the world like that's not easy shit to deal with <laughs> Kim getting held up in France. She couldn't even go to Paris Fashion Week <laughs> because of the trauma. I don't know. I think they're great. I'm not going to say they're salt to the earth or anything, but uh, I really like them. Chloe's my fave. I yeah. She seems so sad. Chloe there.
2: I the love the fact that uh, they went to Port Leash on their honeymoon. Yeah. Kim and Kanye yeah.
5: they went to
2: Port Leash on their honeymoon.
5: I know, but what do you do if you have everything? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Do you know go I mean? to Port Leach. You go to Port <laughs> <laughs> Taking out the lonely planet guy. Yeah. like,
5: where have we go. Do you know what? There's a place here that says it's full of fucking roundabouts. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> so, yeah. It was. And didn't they have the same venue as David Beckham and Victoria Beckham or something? They shared a throne. Or they the same ca- castle or something. No idea. Yeah. No idea.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. Ken and Dave might know. <laughs> Lads. <laughs> no comment. <This> is <laughs> <a> Next. <laughs> We I think the future.
4: I think the future of the Kardashians is looking bleak under the coming communism. That's that <laughs> <was> political. All right, <laughs> th- I'm not sure. This is. This might go out of fashion pretty quickly. Actually, this whole uh, ethos. But um, yeah, I mean the Kardashians. Uh. That's, it.
1: That's, that's it. That's it.
5: That's it. Can I make your point for you, Ken? Yeah. Um <laughs> I'll take this, Ken. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the same as Donald Trump. People are like, Donald Trump, he's this, he's evil, and blah, blah, blah. Donald Trump is a symptom of a general zeitgeist. Is that fair to say? And the Kardashians are the same. So you can't hate the Kardashians. You cannot like what they stand for, um, but they didn't kind of break in. To the e news channel and demand their own show. There was an appetite there for them, in the same ways in America. There was an appetite for Trump, and that's why he got fed in. That's all. So I mean,
4: mean, I don't know though. Like, w- I think I remember seeing a video once of of Kim Kardashian walking into a nightclub with Paris Hilton and giving some serious side eye to some other woman who was there, who I don't know who it was. Oh, she
5: hates <laughs> women. <I> mean, she means <laughs> she
4: hates women. <laughs> but I just thought, like, that was. She doesn't look like she's a very nice person when I see that.
5: Listen, I mean if you judged a woman for every time she gave side eye, like, <laughs> do you know what I
4: mean? But, like, do you You'd think that... would be flat out, like... Do you, do you think that they have in any way helped to kind of create this, like... Uh, are they just sort of surfing on the wave of that, that was already there and it would be exactly the same if they weren't there or if they kind of shaped it in any way?
5: Oh, no, no, no it's a kind of a chicken or egg situation. I think there's definitely, it's like, it's the reality TV thing. They're just one part of that. Like Geordie Shore, like honestly, do you actually think the Kardashians are worth worse than like Geordie Shore? And the only way is Essex? Like they're all the same. Do you know what I mean? They're all trite. No, trite. (laughs) Light. Light shite. Uh, But they're all kind of the same thing. And, like, to be honest, I'd rather watch the Kardashians than watch a load of Essex birds getting banged out of it in a club. Personally. (laughs) Personally. At least the Kardashians, protect like, they set up scenes. There's a bit of direction there. Like, there's a story arc. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the only way is Essex and all. It's just birds getting tit jobs and getting their brows done. Uh, So I don't think the Kardashians... I don't think they can be singled out. They're part of a much bigger movement. Problem. bigger movement. Problem. problem.
2: I think they've brought it to the next level though. Like because like reality TV was big and all but that. They but no, they didn't. No.
5: But they didn't do anything themselves as such. No, they were they given was. another series and another series and another series.
2: Oh yeah but then look what they've done with all that. Do you know what I mean?
5: I know they're fucking geniuses. That's <laughs> what I'm
1: saying. I'd love to see a show about the Healy Rays. Like the Kardashians. <laughs> Follow them there around Kerry. Imagine the Healy Rays Getting their done. <laughs> oh, Jesus you know, just think it. about
3: that deeply, Graham, before you <laughs> really be careful what you wish for. No, I'll move okay. on. <laughs>
2: yeah, there's nowhere to go with that. I'm
5: um, sorry. I think there's, there's actually something comical about how vain Kim is. I think she kind of plays up to that almost. And the girls all kind of jibe. Her. Look, I don't know. I've no sisters. I'd <laughs> love, love to be one of them, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I'd love to be a Kardashian. I'd be the sound one. <laughs> But I'd get a nose job straight away. Like you need a bigger
0: arse.
5: Yeah, I do need a bigger arse. But I'd have so much work done, I'd look like a lunchbox with just like eyes on the front. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'll keep squatting. I'll uh, keep squatting.
2: We'll take another one from the audience there, lads. Three. Three. Conor McGregor. Right, well, this is one, Dave. You've wrote about Conor recently, and Ken, obviously your second home is almost Vegas at this point. Um, <laughs> but Dave, you wrote recently um, saying that the Liffey doesn't avoid Dublin, McGregor avoids Dublin. You I put it basically in a way that summed up everything right now that is correct about Conor McGregor, right?
3: Well, uh, look, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of McGregor. Okay, and I have uh, when I was away when the, he was fighting Mayweather. And I was just reading the Irish press and reading the commentary and whatever, and I was I was really intrigued at how he divides. There's been no Irish sports person has divided Ireland like McGregor, and I think it all comes down to deep Irish class prejudice. That uh, what I loved uh, again coming from our neck, neck of the woods, around so McGregor drove his fucking jet skis into the Royal St George Yacht Club in the summer. I loved that, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was just it was one of those moments where it was like, fuck you, right? And, I, I'm here, all right? Now deal with me. <laughs> and, uh, and I think what really happened, and it's funny because Irish people don't like talking about class at all. Um, but what strikes me is the coverage of MacGregor, uh is absolutely class-ridden. And this is why I said the Liffey isn't the dividing... Point point, it's it's McGregor. So that article was taking two reasonably outsider individuals, McGregor and Faradkar. okay? One of them's a northsider, clearly Faradkar, right? And the posh southsider is McGregor, okay? <laughs> and they're both outside the system, they're both coming from different angles. But the Irish middle class would have had to invent Faradkar if he didn't exist. Like he's gay but he's not too gay. Like, he's Indian, but not too Indian, <laughs> right? And he's a doctor, don't you know, right? All that sort of stuff. So, you know, he's he's everything my mother would have loved my sister to come over except he's a gay lad, right? <laughs> and she wouldn't have got that shit at all, right? She's very old school. It's just that right what they do, right? But, but so, so in, a, in a way, Varadkar is elevated by the, the middle class as being, you know, absolutely what they would love Ireland to be projected on the outside world as. So he's hanging around with Justin Trudeau at the Pride Margin, yada yada, right? And he does all the right things. It's this this idea they call virtue signaling, that you always signal your virtue. And McGregor is just the fucking polar opposite, right? You know? And the, so the article did get a huge traction because I think the issue is class. And once you start mentioning class, You get into, people get, people are are very funny in Ireland, but Irish people are very good at What what
4: do you think it is about (coughs) about McGregor, that specifically, that annoys middle class people in Ireland?
3: Because here is a working class guy who's basically said, I'm going to play the system. I'm going to make a rake of money. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to flaunt it over you. And I'm going to buy a big gaff and donkey and really piss you off, right? Okay.
4: (laughs) Did he definitely buy
3: that? I don't know, but you will love this. The local Super. In Leary said to me, describing the possible movement of McGregor up the Dorky, that there'll be a different element in the area. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love. Right? <laughs> like my granny wouldn't have said that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there'll be a different element in the area. So I, so I think the middle class. You know, it's a bit like and I'm going to use this word very a podcast. but you know when, when Americans talked about black people in the 1950s and they, they wanted their, their blacks to be blacks that actually were acceptable to white people and then so you're Marvin gaze of this world and then came niggers with attitude who said fuck you right yeah. we're rappers this is our music and we're not giving it over to you and I think in a way McGregor's a bit like that he's basically saying I'm not playing your game I'm not going to be the nice working class bloke who goes in the late, late and plays plays the game. In actual fact, screw you. I'm going to take my jet skis and I'm going to drive into Dunleary and I'm going to go into the yacht club and go, nah, 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 nah.
4: <laughs> and that's what I think he's doing. And I think it's really interesting. Yeah, he's from a later era of hip-hop, I think. He's he's Notorious <laughs> B.I.G., um, you know, Dr. Dre. Yeah. But do you know what he's I'm saying? He's basically yeah. saying,
3: we've got our own record label. This is our music. And we're not going to go down to a white man's record label, and say, please give us a gig. We're going to create our own stuff. So I think McGregor's really interesting from that perspective. Yeah. And I obviously wouldn't like to be in a cage with him, you know, <laughs> discussing these things. <laughs> 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 but I, I think he is interesting, and I think it's class, and I think it's a, it's a, it's it's an area that Irish people are not
1: 100% comfortable talking about. Ken, you wrote extensively about him as well. Yeah. What, what's...
4: What's your? I, li- I wish I could remember what I'd written <laughs> as well. So as can remember his article, I can't remember mine.
2: Uh, well, you've been to Vegas and you've experienced the yeah. the 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 the, and off the, the, fans, the heading fans heading over. The well, it was, diff- it was different.
4: The, the most recent time that was a completely different setup. Uh, there was very few Irish people actually in the in the stadium, and there was a quarter of the seats at this thing were empty, which was amazing, given it's the most hyped event of the year. You know what I mean? That the tickets were so expensive that they still couldn't sell. Five thousand of twenty thousands um, tickets. So there, was, so there was barely any Irish people actually in there. It was a completely different type of event, um, completely controlled by Mayweather. And I felt like uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just about the money at the end of it. Like I mean, he's made so much money that it doesn't matter what happened. But I did feel it was it was kind of bad. Like he he will have lost something as a result of having been part of that whole thing. You know, I didn't think it was it was kind of you can't lose that many fights if you're a fighter you know it's just yeah. you, you just lose fights and people lose interest in you it's like well, you know here's this guy again um but you know i i, I have been over his fights in 2015 and that was very different i mean that was so full-on mania you know you were, were you were yeah yeah, of yeah, yeah. yeah which of the mendez
1: mendez yeah
4: i mean it, that was ridiculous yeah. you know the, the whole place was completely full the casino afterwards, i remember was <laughs> like they didn't know how to clear so it this out this lab
1: was krauthorf I was krauthorf and everything yeah just taking up in the mgm
4: and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like Colbert McGregor. I, I mean, he's amazing. He's inc- what he's done is incredible. Uh, I don't like some of the things that he does. You know, uh, you know I don't like the, I, I really think he's very influenced by the, the generation of hip hop that he grew up listening to. Because it's completely that. It's like if you look at a, if you look at a Notorious B.I.G. video, it's like kind this lifestyle that he <laughs> now seems to be kind but of but trying to go for. It. But it's
3: what we're talking about. If the Kardashians represent some element of modern culture, right? Uh, McGregor's also he's reflecting what he's listening to, what he what he admires, what he feels he stands for, and I, I think it's a really interesting. I think it's the first Irish sports star who's done this, and it's really interesting.
1: And he puts a lot of it down to that book, *The Secret*.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Such a little bollocks. What? What's this book? The secret of it. The you secret
3: know. obviously isn't the secret um. if everyone's Do read the fucking it. it? thing. It's a
1: pretty shitty, it. shitty secret that everyone's
4: read. Is okay. it good? It's 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 basically the, the law of attraction. Have you ever yeah. heard about that? So it's like, you know, if you want something, it's a bit like the Tinkerbell thing, you know. if It, it will only exist if you believe it, you know. Right. Okay. Believe in it and the universe will find a way through an unspecified process of granting you this thing that you desire God, but it's always shit. a thing it's always a thing like it's always like oh i want a new car or i want a big house so you know it's always something it's that's that's not the Have one, you have you read it one?
5: No, but i was going to say i heard someone saying in the audience that the book is shite and i know <laughs> what you're saying <laughs> yes, yes. but no 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 i know cuz like you're not obviously a millionaire who's just had a fight in Vegas, <laughs> so you're like, this is bullshit. <laughs> but, I think with the book, like, I think Conor McGregor has a certain type of mind. It's like that Richard... Yeah, but I think you've a certain type of mind as well, like Richard Branson came out of the womb making money, like, do you know what I mean? I'd say he tried to sell his umbilical cord, and he started, like, <laughs> making planes, and, like, that's just the way his mind works. And Conor McGregor is obviously of a similar, like, overly obsessive mind. So, if he'd read and Barry, he would've... <laughs> seen it in a certain light and gone for it anyway. Um, I think he is, I think he has an amazing mind. I think what he's done is amazing. I also think one of the cool things about him is that when we were teenagers we were looking up to um, people like who were like pissed all the time, like Shane McGowan and stuff, whereas young lads and girls now around town and Ireland are real into their fitness now because they're looking up to him and they're yeah, they're living like a much cleaner life. Like, I don't know. Maybe he's coping in that shit. They're his taking steroids. Like, they're I taking doubt drugs. Well, I think st- I'd rather my kid is on steroids than oh, I, I know.
4: Hope. Steroids Bye. are much worse than ecstasy. Way worse.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I think he probably leads a very clean life. He has to. Like, he's fucking honest. <laughs> well, I mean,
4: I'm not sure about that. And <laughs> I, uh, yeah, who, who knows? Who, Prostitutes are
5: narcotics. I think you can get away with that shit. Um, I have no idea if he's, I don't know what he's up to. But my point <laughs> is that if it means that the young people are living healthier lives and like spending their time trying to be Conor McGregor over spending their time trying, trying to be shame again, I think that's a great thing. Well, the, <laughs> the, the young people, people I mean,
3: the, the kids are really into it. I, I, my, my missus is from Belfast and uh, has spent many, many years trying to fathom living in the Republic. And she hasn't really got her head around it. But um, and she'd be very Church of Ireland as well. So the notion. So our kids were brought up really quite posh. And then my son, you know, who's, goes to posh school. and All this. Suddenly he's fucking talking like this, all right, man. I was a fucking go and he's a fucking Conor McGregor, and he's all oh, I'll fucking bother you all. And my poor wife is here on her mother on the phone to her mother in Belfast. She goes, well, you know, the, the Fenians are a little bit rough down this neck of the woods, you know. So it is quite funny. So he's there's a whole bunch of middle class kids, who are obsessed now—fifteen year old, sixteen year old boys—with uh, them. It's quite funny to hear them because they come back from school and they're all like and then they're then they're in the background going, "Oh no, you're fucking have you? Oh your mates!" You know. So it is—it is definitely a cultural
5: thing, and it's, it's a much healthier way to spend and your teenage years. Yeah, and
3: we loved you know Kevin <laughs> Keegan and Kenny Dalglish and things. So I don't know. I think I think McGregor is an interesting character, but for me. Uh, again, as a father of teenage teenage kids, he's the cultural thing is really interesting.
4: Yeah. Really interesting. I mean, I think it's totally true uh, what you were saying, Joe. About like you can see the difference. You can f- you can see the physical difference in people now. Young people, when you walk around the town, it's it's like there's all these ripped people. There's lots of people going around whose whose heads now are now too small for their bodies <laughs> because they're like pumped up and like taking steroids. Yeah. So this is why I'm not sure if it's. I mean. There, there are there are a lot of things to admire about this guy, um, th- and and people do admire. I mean, people the, the sort of physical beauty aspect of it is a big yeah. is a big part of it. Like I remember seeing him at an open workout uh, in the before the the Mendez fight, and so he comes in like he uh, you know he he basically shakes hands with every fan who's there like or kind of high fives them all like you you know he's totally into you know you came to see me so here you know have a fucking high five. But he then strips off, gets up, and he's like he's just. Loves showing up. He's just one of these people who's just a complete peacock, you know, just <laughs> strutting, <laughs> ar- strutting, around. But you want to see, like, I was looking at the people watching, and they're just a fascination. You know, they're just like looking, looking at his body. You know what I mean? This is everyone is like, look at that! Like, isn't he amazing? And this is ju- mainly men, you know, just all standing <laughs> here going, look at this! Like. So he looks incredible. I, w- I want to be like that. I, I mean, OK, and, and there's actually nothing wrong with trying to get ripped and people get addicted to it and get too into it and end up with a head that's too small. But you know, <laughs> the, but it's like the kind of the, 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 uh, the <laughs> ethic that he sort of espouses, I don't think is good. Like, I mean, one of the things that annoyed me about the previous, th- about the, the last Mayweather fight, I mean, it was, obviously Mayweather is a kind of repulsive individual whose whole thing is like trolling the world about how much money he has and how much more money than you he has and fuck you. Uh, and that's his whole personality is based on that. Um, and McGregor seemed to, I was like, I hope he doesn't think that this is a good you know, this is a good model to, to go for. I mean, just because Floyd has been successful, therefore, this must be a way to behave. Like, one of the things that annoyed me was this, you know, every time he has a fight, the, the Americans are fascinated with him. Like, they love McGregor. And it's completely, I've been in a lot of places in America over the last two years. And it, as soon as people hear that you're Irish, he's the first person they want to talk to you about. And it's not actually not just America. But I'm I'm talking about different different parts of America, different kinds of Americans, uh, and he is like a total object of fascination for them. Uh, what was the point? Oh yeah. So uh, every time he has a fight, all these American magazines and what I want to do stuff about. i like want to do send over writers to write big features. Sports Illustrated one is it? Uh, sports Illustrated. You know, the, it was the ESPN magazine. Was Wright Thompson one? ESPN mag. Uh, Thompson, who's like the Cromlin. probably the top sports the feature Hood. writer the in Hood. America. Yeah. He's like the top man, you know. He is like there. He is. He has got the top job in global sports feature writing. Like fly you anywhere, arrange anything, because just get all the obstacles out of the way for your genius to set to work. And so he comes to Ireland to do the McGregor story and spends a few days hanging out in um, Crumlin and produces this piece, which was just like, wow. but. But what annoys me about it is like this, this whole idea, like there's this uh, section about McGregor working on the building site when he's like uh, 20, 20 you know, 19 or 20, he's, he's kind of, his dad's like, you, you're going to get a job, you're going to be a plumber, you're a plumber. And he's, and he's working as a plumber and he doesn't like it. But there's this is how stuff about the building site, and he, he saw the emptiness, in his coworkers like, "I'm like, you're a fucking plumber, like, yeah. you're not. This isn't, a, this isn't a fucking it's prison like camp, you're not in Darfur. This Six. is actually a good job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is like, what are we all, what are we all meant to think? You know, if there's only one person who can actually be in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. It's not a workable model, like, it's not a workable thing for people to aspire to. If, if you're giving this impression, oh, you know, basically, being, if I had to be a plumber, I would have." I would have ended it, you know. I would have ended it long ago. It's, it's, it's not. I don't think it's sort of a healthy attitude. This kind of, and, and like, what's the money for? Like a green. Do you think he spent time with
1: Conor writing that? Sorry. Do, do you think the?
4: He did. Yeah, he was hanging out with him a little bit, but you know, he, he not not that much. There, is, there is a bit of McGregor direct. He obviously did speak to him. He's he's talking to him about a subject McGregor is not is clearly not too keen to talk about because the whole article is about, you know, the main streets of Dublin Twelve. Uh, and Crumlin and how like dangerous it is, and like it's just basically all these drug feuds and, and you know boxing clubs and like drug feuds. That's Crumlin. Yeah, you know that's th- that's obviously the story he wanted to tell. Like, but he kind of he should have just looked around. It's just pensioners walking dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that's Crumlin. <laughs> <laughs> I used to live there. You know, this is what it's like. You've lived in the mean streets. Survived. Survive. You, survive. survive. you survived the mean streets. But yeah. uh, so I just kind of wish that McGregor was. I suppose I'm saying more of a communist than than what he is. <laughs> You know, which is just too much about them. The money actually doesn't justify everything. I and mean, shut up shut the fuck up about money now. <laughs> because you have got so much of it <laughs> that no one wants to hear any more about it. Like it's like, oh, you were on the dole and now it's like when he's got sixty G's, baby, and he's just off the dole. Or he's actually still on the dole. Yeah. Right. When he's when he's winning that's that's right at the start of his career. Sixty G's and, and everyone's like, This is great. They everyone, you couldn't help but smile and see that. Now he's like a hundred millionaire you know, with a yacht, and he, he doesn't fly uh, commercially anymore, you know, and he's <laughs> he's in this super rich international class, like, it's time to shut the fuck up about money and start finding something else to talk about because it's not charming anymore.
2: Yeah, We're, uh, we're, we're running out of time, so we'll, we'll, we'll close with McGregor then, and then we'll just kind of we'll go to each once more to basically... I, are we getting to a point in and I will start with you, where McGregor becomes almost that Where he gets Bono as a pox syndrome, where people start to they loved them at first. Like, in the 80s, they loved them. And now it's getting to the point where it's like, like you were saying, shut the fuck up. You have your money. So do you Well,
4: about money. I mean, say whatever you like, but just stop talking about money all the
2: time. Yeah, well, I, I mean... Th- it's th- the materialism. Does, he become, does he become the villain now? Does, uh, like, is, he, is he a force for good or is he a force for bad, essentially?
5: I, uh, aside from him... Well, it is relevant to him, but I think Ireland's culture, we love an underdog. Like, we love an underdog. So if you're not doing that well, we will help you... <laughs> progress, like we love that but then if you start doing well, we don't really like that, <laughs> I don't know why that is, but we just don't but I think, but there's re—I know we can say it's begrudgery but like there's a reason behind that and I don't know what it is, I think it's because we're such a small country and we are and we really really are a very small country that it feels, we don't want to feel like anyone thinks they're better than us um, I don't know, it's probably to do with the famine, most things are <laughs> I don't fucking know. Your potato (laughs) is bigger than my potato, you prick. Um, So it's probably something to do with that. I don't know. But there's something in our culture. If you're not doing well, and we love modesty, we love a bit of modesty, and then once you start tipping onto success, we'll enjoy that with you for like a week. But then it's like, like you were saying, rein it in. Isn't it true? And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why that is. Um but we will support you until you succeed and then we will tear you yeah. right <laughs> back down. <laughs> yeah. yeah fair uh, point. Country, you're, you're
3: never forgiven oh, for your success. That's the point in Ireland, right? You know, God, It's God. like, God. that's God. it. it, that's it. Um, and you know, the, the, the thing about all sportsmen, uh, I was reading something about John McEnroe the other day and he says, this new movie, this board. I mean, the thing about all sportsmen in particular is those careers are very, very short. And Mac- McGregor's career will be shorter than most. Um, the question, I think the interesting thing for McGregor himself is what does he end up doing when he's 34, 35? Is he going to comment? Is he going to actually end up owning the uh, arrival, a parallel sort of uh, a parallel federation? I don't know, but at the moment, I think that he's probably the most interesting person in Irish sport and has come out for a long, long time.
4: Oh, there's no doubt. He's by far the most interesting. You know, in, in person. I mean, the only qu- and internationally, he's by far the most interesting thing about Ireland, as far as people outside this country are concerned. Uh, and that is difficult for some people here to accept because they don't like him. But that is a fact. You know, that's 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 a truth. I mean, okay, it, it looks actually as though his his fighting career is ma- probably doesn't have too much more to go, because he's had the fight of his life. It's going to take some fight to top that. You know the the whole the whole uh, world was watching that. It was crazy. You know, it was yeah, like no uh, the 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 Mayweather fight. The, the Mayweather fight was the biggest fight. I think he's going to be involved in in terms of the attention that was on it, the attention that was on it, and the money. I mean, he, maybe it will happen again, but I don't know who he's going to have to fight for it to be as big as that again. You know, uh, I mean, being in Las Vegas was crazy. That f- over for that week, everyone is talking about it all the time. You know, I don't. Did you ever read the BFG? Do you Remember the Roald Dahl book? There's <laughs> there's a, there's, a, there's, a uh, there's all these dreams in it that you can have. And one of the dreams is like you have written a book which everybody is reading. The pilot is reading it as he f- and he's flying to Timbuktu instead of you know. And basically everyone everyone is obsessed with this. And that's the way it was. Th- I, I've never s- I've never seen. I've been to the World Cup final like in different places, and I've never seen this level of obsession over something. So I just I don't think he can top it. Is what I'm saying. Um, so that was probably the biggest fight. And after this the fights are going to be smaller, it gets harder to sort of really motivate yourself, and the money that you're going to make fighting in the UFC is not as big, so maybe fighting isn't really where it's at for him anymore, but I don't see any reason why he can't become the greatest promoter hype man that there's ever been, you know what I mean? I, I don't I don't see any reason why he can't his fighting career may not have too much more to go but as a, as a, as a promoter, as a kind of what a... What motivation? The, the, the
3: Don King of MMA that's he what he might become, he might just say I'm going to run this show
4: and it's and that's actually you can make you make ridiculous money, I mean Dana White. Look at the money Dana White has been making just sitting there as a parasite on top of this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he's the one who's making the serious money. So McGregor Mac- could potentially continue to be very successful in a different uh, in a different sphere. Do you think um, t-
1: over the last course of the last few years about McGregor, there's been a lot of uh, kind of comparisons to Muhammad Ali, but Muhammad Ali was on a different scale in terms of activism and stuff like that do you think there's just a generic i suppose not only mcgregor but do you think there's an obligation to sports stars to have a role in activism or community or stuff like that
4: no there isn't but i think it's easier to love the ones who do who seem to believe in something here because when you see muhammad ali you know saying i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go to the army i'm not gonna go to vietnam i'll take i'll take the I'm not going to do it. Then you see, here's a guy who's actually doing something for, for pre- he's sacrificing his career for what he yep. believes in. It's, it's like, a, it's an unselfish, or I mean, it's, he's, it's costing him. It's costing him a lot. And the opposite of Muhammad Ali is not you know kind of great. It's Tiger Woods. Tiger is like the, the, the total corporate man like this totally artificial being yeah he, that, that person never existed that was that had all those kind con- it just didn't exist it was awful you know and then it was exposed in this horrible way and you know I kind of feel sorry for him now but like he never said anything to that would potentially annoy anybody. Whereas Ali I mean yeah, m- maybe it
3: would he have was been. was like O. J. Sinton before he killed his wife. Yeah, yeah, it's very it it's similar. So he exactly was before he said,
4: Oh, that fucking thing I killed my wife and that was awful.
3: But I mean that but he was. I mean Tiger Woods model was OJ in the seventies. Uh, but I mean I think that in, in the Muhammad Ali case, Muhammad Ali was confronted with two extraordinary things. One is he converted to Islam. People kind of forget how big a deal that was and following Malcolm X and not Martin Luther King. This is a huge deal, because you're really leaving your own hinterland. And then he says that no need, Cong Kong ever to row with me. And they're the two defining things. I mean, you know, maybe we're lucky in Ireland that McGregor won't be faced with such existential things as Ali was faced with, because our society, therefore, would be a nicer place than America in the 60s. You know, Ali was reacting to an awful place. And, and he did it in an extraordinary way. Um, I think we would be so lucky if McGregor just ends up being a promoter. It's a fair point and a good one to end on,
0: I think.
2: <laughs> Thank you. you. Um, Sweat. Yeah, I'm sweating as well. Um, it's, it's been Sorry great. for the last question, I just got on tangents. It's been great having us here. Um, and uh you've handled the randomness and ridiculousness of this entire thing very well. Can we well, see so what the other
4: things were? <laughs>
2: um yeah, Shalou come out as well. Um,
4: have we yeah.
2: this this could go on now another hour, that's the only problem, right? Um, so you had you've had uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Flat Earth. Um, like look at that quote, like uh, like Shaquille O'Neal said Flat Earth, basically going under the whole idea of Wait, if, if the earth is round, that means China must be under us, but China can't be under us, so the earth has to be flat. And then he tried to describe it more by saying, I drive from Florida to California, which are on opposite coasts of America, and I do that drive a lot, and I don't feel no curve in the earth. I don't feel wow. like I'm going up and down.
5: Or I'm loving him. I'm loving him.
2: So um, <laughs> you just could have talked about flat earth and conspiracy theories in general. You're mad for conspiracy theories. No, yeah.
5: what truth-finding actually is, I like to call it. <laughs> I'm a truth finder, not a conspiracy, where the worst. Have you started exploring the flat earth? Uh, no, like I'm not pick Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Um,
2: yeah, so you just got to have had that. You've got to have had Bono is a Pox, um, which is a great piece of graffiti you'll see all over um, Ireland. Um,
5: tax Dodger school. Yeah, so you too,
2: tax Dodger scum. Yeah.
5: Probably written by someone who's claiming $12 payments. Do you know that kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. way? <laughs> it is. I'm
2: um, you had McGregor, you had the Healy Rays, you had Kim Jong. Uh, that is the Igo in and Bally Black.
3: The uh, fucking Igo in. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's Ramblers or the Igo? Igo. Okay, now we know. Now we know what class you are. <laughs> uh, and the whole thing about that
2: was gonna Ramblers be about for me. It was gonna be centred around um just the whole thing of the local in Ireland and how it's a it's a hive of activity, especially given the heat A context where the drink driving thing. But also then it was just gonna be a wider conversation of best bar in the world has ever been in. Off the top of your head. <laughs> Any of you
5: depends on your age, doesn't it? Like yeah. back in the day was wherever would serve you and then um, <laughs> which was legs in town. We used to go to legs. We used to get in with like bus IDs and all. Like they must have known. They didn't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I remember going into the kitchen, which is Bono's club. Actually, we used to be there in the Clarence, and um, they used to give you free chicken curry. Did anyone go to the kitchen? Yeah, it was something to do with or their, or their yeah. license or yeah, something. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it was just loads of kids. It was, just loads, kid. kids. It was, it was just
5: loads of children on pills. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was eating chicken curry because it was something to do that if they they could if they fed you you could get a late license or something. And I remember going in, and we were so young. We were like fourteen going in, and we got so drunk, and we ended up having to get a taxi home, and he charged us like fifty pounds <laughs> because he knew, obviously, he could do what he wanted, and it, I'd honestly turned me off town for like two years. Like I think, think until <laughs> <16. laughs> <think you're> <laughs> you were sixteen. Until you were sixteen. What I shouldn't, I know, but like that, but like I was a late starter. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I was a late starter, but I remember thinking. Uh, this is a real ale thing but I remember thinking there's drinking age limits for a reason because I was so sick and my mum I ended up giving myself alcohol poisoning sorry now you're trying to wrap up um, and the next day I was so sick and, and I couldn't keep anything down and my mum is a nurse in Michael's uh, and she had to bring me down and put me on an IV drip <laughs> but she was so embarrassed because she knew them and all and she was putting on my clean knickers and everything like. <laughs> Do you know, because it was her mate down there and I was so sick. And um, so yeah, so what? The kitchen? I don't know. Yeah, Finnegan's and right. Dorky. I love Finnegan's. Yeah. It's yeah. full of lads. islands now. so There's lads, no pressure use, to like, put on a bra. Any
4: preference on... <laughs> <laughs> They're all kind of the same, aren't they?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with, I, I, I agree with Ken. There's loads, yeah. of, loads of good boosters. This, this one good thing we have in this town. We have loads
2: of good boosters. Mm. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, Kardashians we've done uh, Decades we've done And the last one Dan, was um, Actually was something that you touched on It was about the whole Netflix generation And how we're ruining our lives Exactly by just binging on box sets And I say that as somebody who's just finished watching Game of Thrones For the second time (laughs) <laughs>
5: I can't uh, and it's because obviously with um, because our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter now because our videos and stuff are getting shorter I can't decide on anything so I just watch nothing <laughs> 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 I have too much choice like I just can't decide on anything so I watch like I just I watch a lot of forensic detective which is just husbands killing their wives every time it's the husband like every single time that's what I love
2: yeah lads any good box sets you
3: recommend before we wrap up
4: You've yeah. seen Game of Thrones. I, yeah, can't, yeah. Think of, I can't think of any off the top of my head
3: now. I just watched one on Netflix called Ozarks, which is
2: oh, pretty it's good. Oh, very good. Yeah, that's good. That's a good yeah. one. So there you go. You got any? You usually have a good box set or something. Friday
1: Night Lights. Always and Friday night lights. night lights. And The Sopranos. Uh, yeah,
2: all right. That's fucking years old, man. Come on. <laughs> sopranos <laughs> are
4: still the best, though. It's, what is? If you haven't seen it, Sopranos is still the best. Oh, it's still the most. Yeah, it's amazing. It's the best. It's the best.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, and that that was it. That was all annoying. So. Um,
5: Thanks for having. So, what? Well, oh, thank you. Um, yeah,
2: thank so you. once again, um, you can you can check out Ken on Second Captains uh, multiple times a week and also on the Irish Times. So, um, yeah. and if you're on Twitter, and that kind of thing, Ken uh, Ken Early, with an S at the end. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So at Ken Early S. And then they've obviously Economics coming up so killconomics.com yeah. The doggy, doggy Book, book Festival, festival. Thank, you. Thank you very much. And uh, on Twitter and that uh, David McW Yeah I've got the Twitter handle now Yeah
1: I don't
5: Joanne And uh, oh, I'm touring Bite Me my um, that weird show that I was talking yeah. about earlier Definitely yeah. um, I'm touring that around Ireland so if you're into weird dark shit you should totally come
2: <laughs> And don't forget she'll be on TV3 in November tell you Oh how yes baby babies.
5: haters Thank you. <laughs> oh, and if people
2: want to follow you on <laughs> social media, it's at Joe McNally on
5: Twitter.
2: Brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, guess guests the night Ken Early, David Williams, Swan McNally. Hello!
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell them where they can get us. At WS Pod.
2: And where else?
1: Uh, Facebook.com for us. Ah, oh,
2: Here I really Facebook.com do for us. WTS Pod, <laughs> Ireland. Twitter <laughs> at WTS Pod. WTS Pod.com on iTunes, Stitcher. Being being podcast republic podcast addict anywhere and everywhere there's a podcast. Just search WTS pod right there. If it's Patrick Castle, sponsor us. Yeah. That, I can't remember all that. Oh Jesus, man. One day you will. If it's go there for more details. Or just pop up to them if you're ever venturing out, to Cliney Once again, thanks everybody in Dublin Podcast Festival. Um, yeah, I'm at John Murray on Twitter. I'm American Mania. Lads, check it out. Thanks for coming. Thanks for Thank listening. You.
1: Until next time. There it is. Look.